only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. Five, four, three, two, one. Professor John Eric Goff, a world-renowned sports physics researcher known for his work on World Cup soccer balls and Tour de France modeling, works with students at the University of Lynchburg to understand how the laws of physics may be applied to Krav Maga. Krav Maga is a self-defense and fighting system that also borrows from various other disciplines. Krav Maga combines realistic fight training and is known for its efficiency in real-world situations. Professor Goff's research uses the idea that we are all constrained by the laws of physics. According to his investigations, it's possible to apply some of the same physics principles that are used to understand atoms and the cosmos to the moves in Krav Maga. In his second book, Professor Goff connects the ideas behind advances in technique to evolution by natural selection. Professor Goff's book is free of equations and instead focuses on intuitive physics. Anyone can learn from his book, even those with a fear of math. The Physics of Krav Maga by John Eric Goff is available now. And it's my great honor to be speaking to John Eric Goff, who is the author of this wonderful new book called The Physics of Krav Maga. And we will get into what is Krav Maga and why are we talking about it on Into the Impossible. But let me first introduce John. John is a professor and the chair of the physics department at the University of Lynchburg in Virginia. He's the author of Gold Medal Physics, The Science of Sports, and he holds a black belt in karate and a purple belt in Krav Maga. Now, John, first for our listeners, maybe wondering why are we talking about uh, this strange Hebrew words called Krav Maga? Can you explain what is Krav Maga and why is it of possible interest to anyone in science? So Krav Maga is one of the fastest growing martial arts systems uh, in the U.S. I think people are starting to notice uh, the occasional billboard now with a Krav Maga advertisement. And in Hebrew, it means contact combat. And the idea is to combine many different disciplines from boxing to other forms of martial arts. And the system developed in the 1930s by um, uh, Lichtenfeld, who in Bratislava was trying to get some of these uh, Jewish neighborhoods protected. He, there were some violence going on at the time, some anti-Jewish violence. And it developed out of that desire to protect the neighborhoods. And the idea is to take several uh, fighting techniques from all kinds of different systems and combine them into one really good system that emphasizes street fighting and up close and using offense and defense at the same time. So it's a, it's a pretty powerful system. Uh, it's, and it's quite fun to, to train in. Yeah, so a lot more people might be familiar with karate, which you're also a master of black belt level practitioner of. I am uh, only a lowly a yellow belt in Krav Maga, but I also practice it. And oh, okay. I found it uh, invaluable to, you know, kind of maintaining a healthy mind. I think part of being uh, having a healthy mind is having a healthy body. And as you said, there's a, it's a lot more uh, practical in some sense or focused on 
um, tactics for actual combat, uh, which is a little bit different than karate. And you make this distinction in, in your book. And I wonder if you could just explain a little bit, being such a high-level expert in both disciplines, can you uh, talk about what is the difference between karate, which people might be familiar with from the movies, and you know, Krav Maga, which, as you say, is rapidly growing in popularity, but maybe less familiar to the listeners? So one of the things we do when we train in karate is we practice these very elegant katas. And kata in Japanese just means form. And the techniques are used in the katas, punches, kicks, all kinds of various spins. Various techniques are used to comprise the the katas. But the idea is to do these things with enough repetition and enough in sequence that you might be able to use them in an actual fight. Uh, Krav Maga doesn't really have you doing a bunch of uh, katas during your training. Uh, it's a, it's very up close. Uh, we train with knives, with guns, hostage situations, terrorist situations, all kinds of pretty scary stuff. Um, and you know, it, it might be considered a little bit more realistic, a little bit more real world. Uh, that's not in any way to disparage any other martial arts system or to you know take away from what they could possibly provide you in the form of self-defense. Uh, but I think the, the the aim and the goal of Krav Maga is just, you know, hey, I've only got an hour or two a week to devote to going to class. And, you know, I want to start getting into the nitty gritty and, and learn some things that can you know really help defend myself if I ever have to use it. Now, this book, you talk about throwing yourself into your work. So you, you're uh, depicted in the book in many, in many different uh, oh, yeah. scenarios where you are seemingly facing uh, almost a mortal danger. In fact, there's one, uh, I don't want to give a spoiler alert. It's not a typical narrative type book, but you do go into the very end and you talk about uh, some principles that are extremely, uh, you know, are deadly serious. Uh, actually, you talk about hostage sure. situations. And this is showing your, your teacher, this is uh, Mr. Abercrombie, and he is the uh, he's the owner and founder of uh, what's the name of the studio in Lynchburg that you guys? Uh, uh, well, Cl- Clifton Abercrombie's my instructor. He's mm-hmm. one incredible instructor. He's, he's the you know I, I can't give him a loud enough shout out. Uh, <laughs> uh, his Warrior Success Academy is in uh, Forest, Virginia. So oh, anyone in in Lynchburg Forest area of Virginia uh, would do themselves a great great uh, help to go and uh, at least take a sample class see what was what it's like and uh, you're going to get hooked on Mr. Abercrombie. <laughs> yeah, and the as as I say you really get into this uh to the practice and explain in physical techniques that really uh you make use of the laws of Newtonian mechanics. I mean, you don't need to know quantum field theory to understand this book. You actually don't even need to know any math or any uh, beyond division, perhaps, and, and multiplication. And even there, uh, it's so digestible and, and accessible. I think even somebody without uh, even high school physics can understand it. Certainly the, the members in the studio I train at, uh, Krav Maga, uh, do uh, this, the style of Krav Maga called Krav Maga Worldwide. And mm-hmm. have a shout out to my teacher, Mike Mahalikan, at, uh, at the MMA Academy in San Diego. And he uh, is, is also... Uh, a master practitioner, many level black belt. And the thing that I always take away is how serious they take it, but they make it, they also make it fun and they make it, and it's an enjoyable exercise. It doesn't have to be about deadly, you know, uh, deadly arts and saving your life, but it can. And that's what's so important for those of us with kids. I'm sure in your studio and uh, Mr. Abercrombie's studio, they also have 
uh, classes for children and to avoid you know all these awful things we hear about uh, and at least at MMA Academy there are uh, classes for kids to avoid escape evade etc uh, some of the you know some of the situations that unfortunately become modern reality uh, well my two uh, wonderful daughters Emily and Abby got me interested in karate back in 2012 and that's when I first met my uh, my instructor and and a year later he started these Krav Maga classes and they were held at night and they were only for adults uh, I think the idea was the karate classes gave more opportunity to learn some life skills you know there would be a monthly skill on for example integrity or uh, you know building up your confidence or respecting people or honesty you know these these types of skills that uh, would come out in the training as well as being talked about directly. The evening classes where we're using things like guns and knives and uh, hostage situations that, you know, I don't know that it was necessarily that we're trying to avoid scaring the kids, but, uh, you know, we're trying to be a little bit more uh, realistic and, uh, you know, maybe the language might pop out from time to time to make it even more realistic, but uh, try to get the the situation where we're training in, in an environment where we feel a little bit of stress. And I, I yeah. think that worked better without the younger kids, mm -hmm. uh, but certainly any, any, you know, a teenager, probably 16 or, or older, I think could easily take a Krav Maga class. Yeah. 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 It's about, we talk a lot about maintaining situational awareness. Uh, when you go from different regions, spaces at school, transitional spaces, into cars at the shopping center. Nowadays, most kids are even more, you know, kind of distracted by technology. We have our earphones on, we uh, take off your shoes, and you're really not uh, as focused on the situation, your surroundings. And I think just even taking the classes has made me much more aware. You know, you go to a parking lot before you get out of the car, look around, you know, assess your surroundings, don't put in your earphones. No, just look around, not, not to be paranoid, but, you know, the way that you uh, look for different exit routes and, you know, have a plan. And that's what Krav Maga, right. you know, the motto is get home safely. And I feel like your book, you know, for, for as, as sort of a, a vector, you know, to use a physics or biological amount, that it gets people interested into possible techniques that could save their life, but they may not be aware of how many physical principles they're employing as they do that. And as I say, in the, you throw yourself so uh, commendably into the work and, and do stuff that I can't only, you know, I can't envision personally doing for my book. You know, I, I had to go to the <laughs> South Pole or whatever, but, but I didn't have to get punched in the face. And, uh, you know, here's a picture of uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Professor Goff getting, you know, getting his clock. Well, I, th uh, there's, a, there's a cute story about that picture because the, uh, uh, the lady who's punching me is a mm -hmm. colleague of mine now, Dr. Chris <laughs> Foreman, who actually was a former student of mine. So oh. she probably had a chance to uh, take out a little uh, frustration on an old grade or something that maybe she didn't like. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was very curious to know uh, what the headgear would provide in the form of perfection, what kind of acceleration my head would feel. And it felt about four G's worth of acceleration. And, you know, that's not quite to the level of, you know, what you'd get as a concussion risk, but you know, it's enough to ring your bell a little bit and, yeah. and stun you. And, you know, I, and I do want to pick up on something you'd said earlier about not having, you know, equations and things like that in the book. E even a, an instructor of Krav Maga is likely talking to students who, even if they're passionate about it a couple times a week, you know, they've got jobs and other careers and families and this kind of thing. And the instructor realizes that the student is not, 
likely to have the same level of passion and commitment and time to devote as the instructor is. And, you know, I mean, I feel the same way as a, as a you know, university teacher when my students uh, are working on physics problems and that kind of thing or doing research with me. The uh, idea is they're not all going to become, you know, university professors. They're not going to devote their lives into, into physics. So when you're teaching something like physics or teaching Krav Maga, I mean, you have to have a mindset that you, you want to provide somebody something very uh, helpful in a half hour, hour, whatever, you know, time frame you've got them and not expect them to go off and have the same love and passion that you do for the field. So the really good instructors and, you know, my instructors, one, I mean, he's got multiple black belts and all kinds of different disciplines, you know, from Aikido and a karate and, um, and Krav Maga. And I mean, he, you know, he's very dedicated to martial arts and, and trains in multiple fields, but he can take somebody who's, you know, middle-aged, out of shape, not very flexible, and start doing things that you start gaining a little bit of confidence. That's right. And and that's the that's the idea behind teaching some physics principles in the book. Is I want to stay qualitative and I want to stay conceptual and I want to rely on something that I think is important, which is intuitive physics. Right. And even if somebody's never heard of a differential equation or, uh, you know, Newton's second law, or, you know, if you really want to get into the quantum mechanics and start talking about the Dirac equation and all kinds of interesting things that I love to play with, if they don't have any of that training or background, they're used to getting, you know, at some point in their life, they've fallen down. I mean, they know what happens when their balance is disrupted. Uh, they know what happens when they spin around. They might get a little dizzy. They might get a little disoriented. So they already have a lot of uh, intuition just growing up in an environment that humans have evolved in. And, and, and that's a powerful thing to use as yeah. a starting point for teaching. Yeah, you give uh, really nice kind of analogs where you 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 know encourage the reader to sort of play along with you. Uh, in one case, you're talking about you know what is a ho horsepower. I mean, everybody hears what horsepower is, but not too many people have great appreciation. Is it a horse? Is it, does it have something to do with you know some animal? And like, what does it have to do with me? But you get this example of going up a flight of stairs with your weight carrying a certain amount of mass and how quickly that's done, and it's extremely intuitive. And and I think that's that's the thing that I want to get to. Um, uh, uh, it, just to turn to now, it's really how do the lessons learned from this book, how can we translate them into real world situations? Not necessarily, as I said, it has an intrinsic value for life and death, situational awareness, et cetera. But you mentioned a key word, which is confidence. And I feel like a lot of our students don't, um, they don't take care of their bodies as well as they take care of their minds. And, and it's hard in college to make the time, you know, with all the social pressures, with all the commitments, activities, et cetera, plus classes to really have uh, to take care of your body. But I think any kind of uh, sport or martial art, especially, you know, my daughters, you, I know you have daughters um, and, and getting them into ways to just be aware, confident. And, and I think that translates, as I think Aristotle said, you know, in the ancient physicists, you know, a sound mind is a sound body and, and having, you know, our sound body leads to a sound mind. And I think they're, they're sort of uh, that, that nature, I think, can inspire people. And so I do see this as a, as a vector to, to teaching people through something intuitive that all you need is the book and your body and you can learn these concepts uh, that are relatively abstract unless you go to 
a physics lab and roll balls down inclined planes or, or what have you. So I think I, I definitely want to commend you on that. I do want to ask you, so you said it was your colleague who was punching you in the face here. Did, uh, did she ever get tenure? Uh, just curious. Uh, that decision's <laughs> coming in a couple uh, years. So. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, I wish her luck. I, yep. I can't wait to see what she'll do to you after she gets, after she gets tenure, uh, <laughs> your next book. Um, it's funny, you know, the great, uh, the great sage Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched they get in the punched. face. Yep. Now, I mean, when you have experienced these kinds of uh, situations where the stress level, as you say, has, has amped up, have you noticed any translation through into your, your day job, which is, you know, the chairman of a department is an extremely stressful job where you've got to work on all the elements that come into play, as you talk about in the book. It's not just being a good striker, a fighter. It's also being a good, uh, a, a good assistant and helping people train because we all have to hold for people. We have to practice. Have you found any of the skills that are integral to Krav Maga translate into your day job? Sure. I mean, you know, one of the – well, let me, let me back up a second. I, I think if you think about the way we learn things – um, and setting aside multiple paragraphs of neuroscience that we that we'll avoid right now, um, there really are two ways that we learn things. You're either going to fill a hole in your brain that represents ignorance, or you've got something wrong and you want to f- correct it. And the questions or the comments that you want to get people to say, whether they're talking about science or training in martial arts or anything, is, I don't know. Or I am wrong, right. and it 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 has its genesis in honesty. And and if if you're confident enough to be wrong and to admit you're wrong, that opens the the door wide open to learning something. And if you say I don't know something, I'm ignorant about something. Well, now you can fill that void with a lot of information. You can go out and test things yourself. So when you're talking about all the different things that we teach in a, in a physics setting, you know, when I'm working with my research students and we're modeling the Tour de France every year, we're working on testing for the World Cup soccer balls that we do uh, for, you know, the balls that were used in, in Russia recently and then back in, in Brazil, the, the teamwork and the, the humbleness that comes from saying, I don't really understand how this works and I want to figure it out. I want to discover something. And then you take that into the, the, you know, the classroom and your, your instructor there is trying to teach you something. And you say, you know, I don't really understand this. I'm going to hold up my hand and get it my money's worth and say, you know, we need to go through this again. And you do the same thing in class or you could do the same thing at a board meeting. I mean, you do the same thing interacting with colleagues or working in in teamwork. Um, If you can provide something to the team that's beneficial and helpful, and then somebody else says, you know, I don't understand, you you have a little more respect for that person because that person was listening to you, didn't quite follow what you had to say, had the nerve and confidence to say, I don't, yeah, I'm not, I don't care if people think I'm ignorant about something or I didn't get something. I'm going to, better myself and try to improve and my understanding and and you really develop respect for people who do that yeah absolutely and i feel like you know these these skills translate so well and 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 again thank you for this wonderful book that that will undoubtedly influence people to if not explore krav maga per se but to seek out ways to 
to develop these these tools and and um, and just really, as you say, fill in these lacunae in their in their in their own development, and that will translate. I always say that's the one force that's really difficult to measure. It's leverage. I mean, yeah. you leverage these skills into the classroom, into the into the faculty meetings, into a board meeting. If you're an entrepreneur, we have a lot of listeners out there who do venture capital, who do um, you know do drug development, things completely different from Krav Maga or physics. And you know, as I was reading your book, I, I felt like there were. Uh, so many lessons that could actually form the basis of a self-help book or, um, or or surprisingly really translate far beyond the the world of physics, but in particular to physics. So, you know, for example, there's, um, you know, there's, there's uh, topics that I just highlighted in the book about, you know, fitness. So again, enhancing your fitness will lead to a more sound mind, I think, as well. Having um, balance, both maintaining your own balance, and as you talked about, you know, like getting up after you fall down, things like that. Resiliency and teaching people this, uh, the skill of, you know, you get knocked down. If you expect it, you know, as Mike Tyson said, as I said a few minutes ago, you have a plan until you get punched in the face. Well, what do you do after that? Now you have a plan, right? Or now your plan has changed. So how do you implement that? You're a contractor, construction worker, you know, things change. And that's part of what I say on my job is, and I'm not a chairman of the department. Um, I don't have that particular uh, brand of masochism that I think it takes to to be a chairman. Uh, but But anyway, you know, once once we get into our jobs, I really feel like part of our job is being a fireman or a firewoman. You know, putting out these fires and anticipating and kind of um, what's going to happen in the future. And you know, I think one one lesson that uh, you know, even though about uh, you know most of the book is about Krav Maga per se, there are these lessons that can translate into students, in particular undergraduates. Um, and, and, and including things like cooperation, which you wouldn't think, you know, these guys, you know, beating each other up, uh, like, are they cooperating? Yes, they are. Right. <laughs> these are, they're actually cooperating, aren't they? So, yeah, I mean, cooperation is definitely part of it. I mean, you know, this, we're, we grew up as, as predators, our species did. So our eyes are forward facing and it's nice if you got someone to, you know, kind of look behind you and, and kind of have your back if you're ever in a bad situation. Um, you know, so the definitely the these skills that we're talking about in a Krav Maga class, where you're trying to problem solve. You know, someone's coming at you with with a knife, or you're you're stuck between cars, or whatever it is. You you've got a problem to solve, and you got to do it quickly. And if you are used to solving problems, whether it's in a business setting or in a physics setting. Um, you're, you're, you're trained in tossing out superfluous information. You know, I don't care that the car's pink, you know, I mean, you know, there are certain details you might have in your mind, but you start realizing, you know, what I really care about is maybe that thing can block my, uh, attacker while I'm running away or something, you know, you, you start strategizing your exit. You start thinking about, you know, wow, you know, this guy coming at me, he's pretty buffed and he's got a you know, knife sticking out of his pocket. You know, I mean, my, my best defense might be to just run as fast as I can, you know, and, and you start assessing things very quickly like that and trying to fight that, that tendency that I think a lot of us would have, you know, to freeze. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think it's so interesting to, to see what, what of these skills, you know, most skills, many skills are not transferable. Like I, I don't think, if I had, you know, a decade of 
of painting class practice. I'd ever be able to paint something beyond a stick figure. Although I did do this painting. Yeah, no, I didn't. No. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, uh, but, but do you think these skills in particular, as we say, we, they translate how hard or easy is it to learn a martial art like Krav Maga or karate? Or certainly it's something that can be taught. Uh, the question is, you know, how, how does the typical process work and how does it compare to teaching and learning physics? Well, in, in my Krav Maga class, I'm going to see, you know, students in there at various stages of their training. Some of them are going to be very new, um, haven't even put on a white belt yet. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to see other ones who are, you know, advanced in the, been doing it for years. They're going to be much more fit. They're going to be people who are going to be overweight, including myself. You know, if I uh, let myself go for a couple months and don't get to class enough because I'm too yeah. busy researching or whatever. I mean, the, the thing is, there are all kinds of different body types and people with different levels of dedication. And they're all kind of jumping in at the, you know, deep end of the pool, really. They're you know, even the person who's just starting out, maybe it's someone's first class, you know, you don't start on page one of the manual. I mean, you, you know, you're showing up and you're just doing whatever's being taught that day in class. And it might be gun defense or it might be an attack with a knife or something. So the idea is to give somebody something, even if it's very tiny, that, you know, hey, I, I accomplished something in the last 45 minutes. I you know, had an understanding of how, you know, someone's finger can be uh, hurt if I'm pulling the gun a certain way and trying to get out of a, you know, someone having a gun in my head. I mean, just something tiny doesn't mean you're going to go off after one class and be, you know, the next Bruce Lee, but you're yeah. going to be able to at least start thinking in your mind, you know, okay, I've got an option. I've got something to think about if, you know, you never want to be in a harrowing situation like that. But if you ever are, uh, maybe you've got an option that can help you. That's and it's it. the same thing in a, in a physics class. Um, you know, I, I tell my students that all the time the value of, of a liberal arts education. I mean, you've got to exercise your mind in many, many different ways. And it goes beyond, you know, physics. You've got to learn, you know, to communicate with people and convey ideas. And you've got to be able to uh, structure and organize. Maybe you're setting up a meeting. Maybe you're setting up a, a project with a, you know, you're going to lead a team of, of employees doing something. I mean, there are certain things you got to think about, maybe even outside the box sometimes that uh, can be very helpful to you and very helpful to your team. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, speaking of, you know, of students and, and physics education, talk to me a little bit about Lynchburg, University of Lynchburg and, and sure. what it's, what it's known, what it's known for and what kind of, um, what kind of programs that you have there for potential prospective undergrads. So uh, we were founded in 1903. It's been a while. <laughs> um, not by any means the oldest of the universities in the U.S., but uh, we were Lynchburg College until the summer of 2018, and we became University of Lynchburg. Uh, our current name is University of Lynchburg. Uh, Lynchburg's in south central Virginia, beautiful part of Virginia. You know, we've got great mountains and wooded areas and lakes and uh, trails and all kinds of things you can do around here. And maybe about three hours drive from the beach. Um, so it's a it's a nice place to live and work. Uh, the university itself, you know, stresses a, a liberal arts education. The physics major that we offer is, is you know, rigorous. We have a small department and the classes are, are small. I mean, we really get to know our students. 
And, you know, I take great pride in the sports physics research that I've been able to do here in the last 15 years because I'm not working with massive budgets. But, you know, I'm working with colleagues in, in England and Japan and uh, now actually University of Vienna um, and a couple other colleagues in the U.S. And the uh, experiences that you can get at a small college include you know, hands-on interactions with uh, laboratory equipment with an instructor who's right there with you. You're not being taught by a graduate student. Um, and my, my students who do research projects, they publish with me. I mean, you know, I put their name first on the paper and get them out there and really want them to, to leave University of Lynchburg uh, well-equipped for their futures. That's phenomenal. So you mentioned a little bit about sports physics. Can you talk a little bit about um, your previous uh, book, which is a bestseller, uh, called Gold Medal Physics, The Science of Sports? Sure. Um, so that book, the, the genesis of that book was that I had uh, published a paper modeling the Tour de France with a student, and we had a little bit of success with that paper. How long would it take you to bike the Tour de France? The world's most famous cycling race is more than 2,000 miles split over 21 stages. It includes fast, flat, sprints, and grueling mountain climbs. Every year, John Eric Goff and a team of his undergraduate students at the University of Lynchburg predict how fast the winning cyclist will complete each stage. They don't predict which cyclist will win, but they have developed an impressively accurate method to forecast the winning stage times. First, the team breaks each stage down into a sequence of inclined planes, creating a simplified computer model of the race's terrain. The team relies on published data for elite cyclists and inputs several physical factors into their model to calculate how fast their model cyclist will complete each stage. One of these factors is the power output of their model cyclist, who will be heavier, more aerodynamic in flat stages, and lighter, more enduring in mountain stages. Their model also accounts for rolling resistance, which is the friction between the bike's tires and the road, as well as the air resistance experienced by the cyclist and the bike. Their model is incredibly precise. In 2016, for example, Goff's team predicted the winning times of four stages to less than 1% error, and 14 stages to under 5% error. And I got a call one day from the uh, publisher, the editor at Johns Hopkins University Press, and we started talking about this paper, and essentially got offered a book deal. <laughs> um, and I never really thought about writing a book. And I thought about putting some of these sports ideas into print. And I wanted to highlight some of the sporting events that I loved growing up. I mean, I was enthralled when, you know, Doug Flutie threw his Hail Mary to beat <laughs> Miami in, in 84. And, yeah. you know, always loved Greg Luganis, who I always tell people that, uh, you know, I'm on the, the cover of my first book. And the cover shows Greg Luganis going into a pool with abs that look like you could fire a bullet into it and it wouldn't even hurt him. Um, but I'm on the back cover, of course. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I loved in, in 84 and 88 watching Luganis dive and uh, Katarina Vitt uh, skating and stuff. So a lot of these events I decided to write about in the context of physics and didn't hesitate from using some equations and, and some high school mathematics. I didn't go beyond algebra and trigonometry, but wanted to show people how they could take some fairly basic physics, uh, do a little bit of mathematics, and come up with some interesting results. Uh, this, this second book, I really wanted the challenge of writing about physics from a purely conceptual point of view, and it's not in any way to... Um, 
insult people who've never really studied math or science uh, to you know, I'm not talking down to them. I, I, I can assure people that the, the crux, the, or sorry, the crutch of using mathematics is very powerful, especially when you're right out of graduate school. You can point to an equation and there's safety there because there are well-obeyed rules and, and you don't have to think of analogies and all this thing. But when you're really trying to talk to the general public, and I, and I really tried to put science on the sports pages in my career, you want to be able to convey, you know, science is a fantastic tool for helping us understand the world. And it's not just sports. I mean, it's anything, you know, we, yeah. we're, we're living longer. We're enjoying our lives more because of what science has been able to, to provide us. And the idea is that you can uh, learn just a couple of basic ideas that, that you know, the, the laws of physics completely constrain all of us. And when you're trying to write purely conceptual physics and trying to think of analogies, it's not talking down at all to anybody. It's it's trying to say, I want to connect with you in a way that uh, shows that I care. I mean, I'm trying to find something that uh, will relate to your life, you know, whether it's tightening a lug wrench on a, you know, a car or, you know, sitting down and having a pint after class, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. just being able to connect with people because, you know, I, I'm no better than anybody else just because I'm a, a physicist. And, you know, right. my instructor may not be able to uh, you know, play with mathematics and the equations of physics and st- things like that. But his intuitive physics is phenomenal. I mean, you know, he, he won't have the vocabulary of a, you know, a physicist when describing a certain move. But he I mean, I can st- watch sometimes in awe at the ability to describe what a certain technique is doing. Because all the physics is there, and I felt like when I was writing the book, I was just kind of taking a lot of things I learned from him and just kind of sprinkling some of the ideas of physics just to kind of make it a little bit more concrete um, from the way a scientist would, would describe it. Right. But, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's the goal. So that was kind of the transition from the first book to the second book. Oh, that's great. <clears throat> well, we're going to finish up soon. I know you've got a busy, uh, busy schedule to keep as chair. Uh, any things that you'd like to refer the listeners to? I uh, hope that we can have you back on maybe this summer for the Summer Olympics. We can sure. discuss gold medal physics. Uh, until then, any other things you'd like to bring to the listeners' attention while we have uh, a few minutes remaining? Well, certainly anybody watching this with uh, college-age kids, uh, University of Lynchburg is a great place to uh, study. It's a great place to live, and it's a great place to work. Uh, I am not shy at all about telling my my kids in the first-year class, if you are really interested in something and you want to get involved in research, we'll do it. I mean, I've gotten kids going into research the summer after their first year. So, (laughs) you know, the idea is – Hey, you may not know all the physics you need, but if you have a passion to do something, uh, we're going to make that thing, you know, blow up. I mean, we're going to yeah. do something fantastic with it. So. Yeah, and you might get a chance to live out every student's dream of punching their professor in the face, uh, John. Uh, sure, <laughs> <laughs> we, we we might temper that a little bit. <laughs> That's right. Maybe your next uh, book should be the physics of you know making pasta or something. You know, a little little less contact. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I, I commend you so highly on this wonderful book. Uh, John Eric Goff, best-selling author of uh, Gold Medal Physics, as well as The Physics of Krav Maga. Can't wait to have you back on again, John. Thank you so much for introducing us to your wonderful university and to the research that you guys are uh, so heavily invested in. Thank you so much, and we hope to talk to you again soon. 
Thank you, Brian. I really enjoyed it. If you enjoyed this episode of Into the Impossible, please subscribe, comment, share, and review. For a chance to win a free copy of our most recent guest's newest book, send a screenshot of your review to info at imagine.ucsd.edu. We appreciate hearing from you and are always open to your suggestions for future episodes. Into the Impossible is a production of the Arthur C. Clarke Center for Human Imagination at UC San Diego in the Division of Physical Sciences. Directed by Eric Veery, Brian Keating, and Patrick Coleman. Produced by Stuart Volko. For more information, go to imagine.ucsd.edu. Find us on Twitter at ImagineUCSD.edu.